0: you would turn in your Bibles to uh, page 1062, turn to John chapter 8, we're going to start at verse 12, John chapter 8, starting at verse 12. Again, Jesus spoke to them, saying, I'm the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So the Pharisee said to him, You are bearing witness about yourself. Your testimony is not true. Jesus answered, Even if I do bear witness about myself, my testimony is true. For I know where I came from and where I am going. But you do not know where I came from or where I am going. You judge according to the flesh. I judge no one. Yet, even if I do judge, my judgment is true. For it is not I alone who judge, but I and the Father who sent me. And your law is written that the testimony of two people is true. I am the one who bears witness about myself, and the Father who sent me bears witness about me. They said to him, Therefore, where is your Father? Jesus answered, You know neither me nor my Father. If you knew me, you would know my Father also. These words he spoke in the treasury as he taught in the temple. But no one arrested him because his hour had not yet come. I remember one time when we were living in Indiana. I was cutting the grass one Saturday afternoon, and I couldn't believe it when I looked up. The sky suddenly turned dark and gray and greenish, and all of a sudden I saw what looked like a a finger, kind of come down from, from the sky. So I told my boys who were outside with me to to get inside and Arla and I proceeded to, to shut all the windows and it's, it's a good thing we did because the wind was incredible. And we turned on the TV and we saw that there there was reported tornadoes in the area. and Well I don't know why Arla and I thought this but we thought it would be kind of cool to see the lightning. So we Turned all the, the lights off on one part of the house so we could see through the windows and um, it had grown so dark the lightning was just um, beautiful against that dark sky and Arla and I were just marveling at it. But as we stood there all of a sudden the house got really bright again. Um, all the lights had suddenly turned on and I'm like what in the world? And so I went around and I started to turn all the lights off and we were looking out the, the picture window again in the living room and all of a sudden, all the lights were on again. It's like, what in the, what's happening? And then I, f- I, I started to understand what was happening, and that's one of my children. They were scared, and so one of them was following me as I turned the lights off on the one part of the house and was turning them all back on. Throughout Scripture, the image of light is a, is a powerful and comforting picture of God. Often it's contrasted with the darkness of, of sin, the light of Christ coming. Jesus' and, and the salvation he brings is, is described in the Bible as the coming light. That's what the Messiah would one day do. And so when we hear Jesus declare that I am the light of the world, we naturally get this picture of a bright sun maybe in the sky. But that's not what Jesus had in mind when he said those words. I am the light of the world. I think the context of our, our story will, will, will help us understand the story even a little bit better. We're told in chapter 7, verse, actually verses 2 and 14, that, that Jesus was teaching in the temple courts during the Feast of the Tabernacle. Now that's important. That's an important fact to, to notice. This feast was not only a celebration of the harvest, but Leviticus 23, it it tells us that during it, they celebrated God's faithfulness to them the 40 years when they were in the desert, when they were wandering in the desert before they got to the promised land. And through this feast, they remembered how God provided bread for them, which would have been in the form of manna, how God provided water from the rock and, and quenched their thirst, and how God also protected them That was the cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night. And and for Israel, that was a symbol of God's presence among them. Well, the way the people in in Jesus' day celebrated this was um, it was a a festival that lasted a number of days, and as part of this festival, the, the people would go to the temple at night with these torches, dancing and, and praising God, again, for his faithfulness in, in the desert. And in the temple of the, woman, the women, in, in, in the temple, um, there was four giant um, lights, lamps. And, and these were uh, the kind of lamps that, that um, was fueled by uh, um, some kind of an oil. And, and these lamps were so big that they actually took the, uh, the priest's old clothes and they would twist them all up and they would use them for the, for the wicks, for, for the lamps. Um, and apparently, um, there's reports by Josephus that you could see these giant lamps anywhere in Jerusalem, the ones that were shining from, from the temple. You could see them anywhere in Jerusalem. That's how, how bright they were. Now, as the people celebrated God's provision of manna and water from the rock and God's provision through the the pillar of fire and the cloud by day, think of what Jesus was revealing about himself during this feast, the Feast of the Tabernacle. As the feast began back in chapter 6, Jesus told the people, I am the bread of life. Well, they would have understood that because they were celebrating that feast at that moment, that Jesus was manna from heaven. Chapter 7, Jesus proclaimed that he was the living water. I am the living water, he told them. Again, they would have understood that because that's what they celebrated about how God took care of them in the desert. But he also proclaimed one more thing about himself and that's what we're going to focus on this morning as jesus sat in the the temple of the women in 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 the tabernacle or in the temple um, where those four lamps were that's where he was teaching so probably maybe those lamps were still smoldering you could probably smell lamp oil in the air but that's when jesus proclaimed those words i am the light of the world Maybe right behind him were those lamps. And so they, 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 they got the, the big picture of what Jesus was trying to communicate. And he says, Whoever follows me will have the light of life and will never walk in darkness. I think to get a better appreciation of, of what Jesus is saying, I, I think it's important to go back and, and just spend a few moments looking at what. The pillar of fire meant for the, the people of Israel. First, it it symbolized God's presence among them. And what a powerful image that must have been. No matter where they were in the desert, every night when they went to bed, that pillar of fire would be over the, the tabernacle. And so it was like a giant nightlight. And so they just had to look out their tent doors or windows and, and see God's presence. It was that visible. Numbers nine fifteen describes it like this. In the day the tabernacle was set up, the cloud covered it. From evening till morning, the cloud above the tabernacle looked like fire. What a, a beautiful image for God's people. And through this, just think of what Jesus was proclaiming about himself. When Jesus says, I am the light of the world. He was proclaiming that he was that light. He was that fire. And by adding I am, he was telling the people that he and his father were one. That's why they thought he was blaspheming. The, the, the Pharisees, they didn't like it at all because of, of what he said and how he connected himself to his Father in heaven. But by using those words, Jesus was saying, I too am the great I am. And I am the light of the world. Another thing that that was symbolized in that pillar of fire was God's protection. Exodus 14, 19, we're told that the pillar of fire protected Israel from their enemies. Remember that, that image of, of Israel being chased to the Red Sea? And, and Pharaoh and his army was right behind them with the chariots. And, and what did the pillar of fire do? Instead of leading, it went behind them. And it stood between them and Pharaoh's army. And on the one side, it was all light. On the other side, it was darkness on Pharaoh's side of the, the pillar of fire. God did that to protect His people, because God was present among them. In addition to protecting the people from their enemies, Isaiah four: five through six, it describes the, the pillar of fire as being like a, a canopy of God's glory over the people. And so it provided shade for them. You can almost imagine it as being kind of like an umbrella even sheltering them from the worst of uh, the storms and the elements. Another passage tells us that that pillar of fire also provided a, a smooth path that they could walk on in the desert. Finally, Exodus 13, it tells us that it, it led the people, it led Israel through the desert. So all those things, all that symbolism Jesus is now claiming for himself, I am the light of the world. And for the people, that would have meant a lot to them. He's claiming oneness with the Father. He's Emmanuel, God with us. That's what the angel had said at his birth. And as the light, he exposes the sin of darkness. In the world around us. Despite the thick darkness that that covered the earth that Isaiah 60 talked about, Isaiah promised that a light would one day shine and pierce that darkness, and that's Jesus. That's what he had come to do, and that's what he was claiming. Nations and kings would be drawn to, to the Messiah's light, and this would be a light that would fill God's people And they would carry out into the world around them so that people could see, so that they could find their way home. How comforting, that that image of Jesus being there for us, watching over us, protecting us, providing for us, leading us. must have kept the people from being afraid, just as it should keep us from being afraid, knowing that Christ is among us. Christ is living in us. And nothing can separate us from his love. Romans 8 says Christ protects us and promises that nothing will ever ever be able to separate us from God's love. That's why John describes Jesus in John 1-4 as being the life that was the light of men. Funny, but sometimes when I'm working in my office, and, and I'm doing some reading, I y- you don't notice that the sun is slowly going down, especially during the winter months. It, the darkness comes so early, and there were a couple times when I was sitting in my office and, and reading, and I didn't even notice that the light outside started to get dimmer and dimmer, and all of a sudden there's somebody standing at my door, from church or maybe my wife, and. Usually the first words that come out of their mouth is, why are you reading in the dark? And I didn't even know I was reading in the dark. It, it just had happened so gradually. And so when the light is turned on, suddenly, boy, it, it kind of hurts your eyes because you're not used to it because you had been in the, the dark for so long, you had gotten used to it. And I think that's us as well. The world, with all its trappings, It has a way of slowly creeping into our life and we don't even notice it. We don't even know the darkness until all of a sudden we just are overwhelmed by it and we wonder how in the world did we get here? How did it happen so quickly? And it wasn't really so quickly. But it had happened gradually and we just didn't notice it. Forty years ago, who would have ever thought a day would come when you're watching TV and suddenly there's nudity and People swearing. And many of the commercials that, that are on TV, they're, they're basically soft porn. In addition to this, we now have Netflix and all the things that they're promoting. The shows that they're peddling that are, are full of violence and sexuality and sin. And it's so easy to just become numb to it because we, you see it. It's there for our entertainment. But really, should we even be watching some of those things? Or what about what you listen on the radio? You might say, well, yeah, but I like the beat. I like that, that person's voice. That, that's the only reason I listen to it. I don't really pay attention to the words. No. When you start singing that song in your head and those words start repeating... You don't think that has an influence on you? See, some of the things that are on, that's on the radio, we, even there, we shouldn't be listening to because we are children of the light. And we should hate the things that Christ hates and love the things that Christ loves. And sometimes the things that we allow ourselves to be exposed to, we need to get rid of it. We need to turn it off. We need to make better choices. Parents, grandparents, what do your kids, what do your grandkids see when they look at your life? Would they say Christ is a priority for you? Or would they say Christ is a hobby? A priority that, that influences everything you do? Or is it a hobby that you engage in once in a while when you have the time? Are you living for Jesus, or have you gotten into the habit of allowing your light to be hidden under a bushel? Have you impressed upon your children the importance of walking in the light? Are you having family devotions? Are you attending church regularly? Are you making sure your kids are attending Sunday school Go into gems, cadets, things that will encourage them in their faith. And for the older teens, do you encourage them to have devotions? Or maybe a better question is, do your kids see you having devotions? Do they see you reflecting that light? Do they see how important spending time with God is? Exposing yourself to the light. Do you encourage your children to make profession of faith? To stand up in front of God's people and say, I want to live for Jesus. Is that our priority? Or don't we talk about it? Don't we mention it? Where does the moon get its light from? Does the moon have a light? No, it's just a rock. The reason the, the, the moon shines so brightly at night, especially when it's a full eclipse, I mean, when it's nice and big, the reason that's happening is because there's, there's nothing in between the moon and the sun. But now when the, the earth is in between those two things, then you only get part of light, part of the light shining. That's how we need to be as well. We need to allow the light of Christ to be reflected from our lives. But as long as we have sin in our lives, things that are not healthy, it's like the moon shining. And and when the earth is standing in in between the moon and the sun, that's when you only see some of the light. And it's the same way with us. Others around us only see some of the light of Christ when we allow the darkness To exist in our hearts, in our lives. And so, if we want to be the light of Christ in the world around us to reflect Jesus, that means we have some work to do. We all need to look at our lives, look at our hearts, and see is the Lord first? Is he our priority? Or is he our our hobby? Listen to Paul in Ephesians 5.8. He says that while you were once living in darkness, now we're light in the Lord. So he calls us to live as children of the light and reflect Christ's light to the world around us. This morning, what is the Lord convicting you that you need to get rid of, that you've got to stop doing, that you need to stop listening to or stop watching? I think we all have things that really do need to go. Because the light you hold, the light that is being reflected in you, it's exactly what others need. It's the light they need to see in order to for them to find home, to come to Jesus, to know his love, to know that Jesus died on the cross for their sins and How Jesus is offering us the gift of eternal life. It starts with us. We're the hands and feet of Jesus, we're his voice. And so when others look at your life, what do they see? Do they see the light of Christ? Or have we been hiding it under a bushel? Let me close by asking you a question How's your reflection this morning? If you know that your light is under a bushel, it's time to get rid of that bushel once and for all. To lay those things that are holding you back at the cross of Jesus, and then walk in freedom, in the freedom of Christ Jesus, the freedom that Christ won for us. If someone was lost in the darkness, would there be enough light shining from your life them to find Jesus. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, Lord, help us to get rid of everything in our lives that that's hindering us from reflecting your light. We pray that your light might be seen in each of us and that it might lead many into the loving arms of Jesus. We ask this all in Christ's name. Amen. We're going to sing this little.